Church. You ever been bested by being ignorant of something, and sometimes if you're ignorant of it, you're also afraid of it? My wife and I, we went on a cruise, and we were afraid of being seasick, and so we did the five short day cruise, and we found out that we weren't that seasick, and we wish we had done the seven day cruise. It's just that wonderful. A little bit of fear, a little bit of ignorance led us to make a bad decision. When I was in high school, my buddy came up to me. I turned 16, and so in the state of Ohio, you get to what? Drive. I take my driver's permit, and my buddy said, only dummies study for driver permit exams. And so I didn't want to be known as a dummy. So I went there. My dad drove me there. and took the driver permit exam without studying, and I what? <laughs> True story. Okay. And then I go in the car and tell my dad what happened. Then I felt like a real dummy, okay? Ignorance sometimes, with a little bit of fear and confusion, leads to some bad things. I didn't want to use a coupon, one, buy one meal, one, get one meal off, because people think I'm cheap, but the person next to me did so, and, and I regretted I'd done so. Sometimes if we're ignorant of something, we don't know of something out of fear, we sometimes get bested by it. You see, sometimes... Being ignorant of something could lead to fear of it. I really don't know what it is. Sort of like um, doing, uh, buying something I never bought before or going to a doctor's appointment about something that's going on with my body I don't know about. That ignorance leads to confusion and sometimes to fear. What are things that frighten you? What are things that cause you the most fear? Well, you don't have to tell me. I think someone said snakes, Okay. Well, there's a number of different lists, but I, I saw this list to be the most profound and accurate. So 10 things that uh, people are frightened of the most of. And the first one is failure. We don't want to fail in our job. We don't want to fail in our relationship. We don't want to fail on the ball field. We don't want to fail in life. A star athlete once said, I, I succeed because I'm afraid of failing. I'm more afraid of losing than I am of winning, of not winning. Nobody wants to lose. Uh, pain. We don't like pain. When I was going through this list, uh, one list had going to the dentist as number three because people don't like going to the dentist because dentists might be what? Painful. There's some people who put themselves out before they go. Dentists are offering that. So um, not to make fun of anyone, but uh, pain. Or being hurt by a loved one. Is someone going to leave me? Is someone going to betray me? Can I really trust that person? Or being embarrassed. Am I going to do something that embarrasses me in front of my family or my friends? I don't want to be embarrassed. Now, six hits home a little bit more, a death of a loved one dying. When I was younger, I always feared my parents' death or a death of, when I was much younger, feared the death of my grandparents. Maybe we get older, we fear the death of our spouse. But there's a real fear. It's something not because just, just if it's going to happen to me, if it's going to happen to a loved one, I have to live without them. Or the fear of the unknown. You watch the news, you watch what's going on in Israel, and you watch what's going on in Ukraine, and you see what's going around the world, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen, and that makes us fearful. We're not sure because we're not in control. Or a fear of not going to heaven. I know this, I was sort of surprised at this, but there's some people uh, who live with that monster of uncertainty. Am I good enough? I don't know about it, and so I fear what I don't know. Or a fear of the dark, okay? Or fear of being assaulted. Since 2020 and the COVID and what's happening in our nation's legal systems, um, there's places that I used to go 15, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't go now. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to go there and vacation there anymore because I'm afraid of what might happen. And I watch in the news what happens to innocent people. 
and sometimes the police protection isn't there. And so that's a greater fear among Americans that I might get assaulted and no one's there. And probably has been this way since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. What's the number one fear? Death. Because we love this life and we don't know what death is. And so Elijah was a prophet who probably lived in the same time span. Like last week we talked about Amos. He was with, with Ezekiel and with Isaiah and with Jeremiah and all those unique sounding names. And Elijah had a fear because he was foretelling and foretelling the word of God. Um, and he was afraid because there was a wicked king's wife who loved to put prophets to death. Now, you've heard this word before, but her name was Jezebel. And sometimes that name has a rather negative connotation in our world and, um, because it goes back to Jezebel. Because Jezebel, uh, she was part of the Mean Girls Club. She was in the Mean Girl movie. And uh, Jezebel couldn't stand God's prophets. And she went after them and she killed them. And Elijah knew that might be an issue. Married to a wicked king, Jezebel despised the word of God. She loved to worship Baal. And Elijah had a real fear. So what did God do? Well, God told Elijah, I'll protect you. Uh, he's the one who had a contest with the Baal worships. Uh, who can get the fire to the light first? And, and Yahweh, God won. And then Jezebel came after him and God protected him and kept, kept him safe. And there came a time with the wicked king Jezebel were no more. But then God reassured Elijah and said this, 7,000 have not yet knelt to Baal. Uh, friends in Christ, there will always be believers. We are never alone, even though we sometimes think that we are alone. 7,000, Elijah, have not yet knelt to Baal and they are here to comfort and console you. Elijah had to deal with the unknown. Is Jezebel going to pull a trap on me and get me? I'm somewhat of a movie buff, so I'm going back to 1990 to the movie Flatliners. It's a rather interesting science fiction sort of movie that probes into ignorance and fear. And the movie Flatliners is about gifted medical students who want to know what's on the other side. And, and people who don't know about ignorance and fear, they want to find out. Uh, they don't have the knowledge of God. And so in the movie Flatliners, they gave medicines to, uh, they picked one of them and they gave medicine to them and they caused their heart to flatline because they're able to resuscitate them after a minute and they wanted to know what happened when you die. And so they pushed the envelope. And as a matter of fact, they all took turns doing it. And they all found things that to them were disturbing, things about guilt and things about punishment. And some came to believe in God. But I'm not saying watch that movie, but the movie sort of probes into when ignorance and fear is there. And probably the biggest fear we have is what's on the other side. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. And the movie Flatliners sort of uh, dives into that. Uh, let people flatline, let them dead for a minute or two, and we've got to make sure we bring them back so they can tell us what happens. Friends in Christ, the occult's the same thing. You know, the occult, you know, fortune-telling and magic and witches and warlocks and mediums and psychics and Ouija boards, they're all about people wanting to know, I want to know more, I don't know enough. I had a family member who contacted someone from the occult and even mentioned my name and my grandfather's name, and the, and the occultist said something rather interesting. So... Uh, there's a darkness behind it. There's a power behind it. But the occult, God tells us to avoid the occult, to avoid mediums and psychics and fortune tellers because it's all about probing into the unknown and ignorance and fear that we have. And so we come to uh, the city of Thessalonica and we go back to Jesus' day. And about 50 years after Jesus um, was born, the Thessalonians, there was a new Christian congregation there. 
and they had some fears. Um, and their fears went back to fear one, four, five, and six. Now, let me go back and I'm going to reiterate those fears to you. What's one, four, five, and six? Well, one is death, all right? One's death. And then four is not going to heaven, five is the unknown, and six is a loved one dying. And so those tend to be fears that even flatliners have, but those are fears that the early, the young church in Thessalonica had. And, and this is what they believed. They were told that Jesus was going to come back and come back soon. Now, when Jesus says he's going to come back soon, we have to understand how God understands soon. God is outside of time. Soon is not relative to him. Soon's relative to us. What do you mean? Next, next, next week, next month, soon is not relevant to God. So they were under the impression that during their life in the next three to five years, Jesus would come back and take them to heaven. But here's what happened. There are some believers in the congregation who died and they were buried. And the Thessalonians dealing with ignorance and fear, they thought it was too late for them. Because when Jesus comes back, only those living will meet Jesus. Then what about those who died? And they were unsure what would happen to them. They were dealing with ignorance and with fear. And friends in Christ, sometimes we have ignorance and fear over death itself. So with all respect, let me go ahead and delve into that a little bit. There are sometimes people who say, I'm looking forward, the only reason I'm looking forward to dying is I want to see my loved one in heaven. And I thank God for that. We all want to be reunited with our loved one in heaven. I saw this, face, this thing on Facebook, even more touching. Someone died and their four pets came running up to them at the gates of heaven, okay? It's sort of reassuring me like those pictures. But when we die and our sin's no longer with us, who's the first person we're going to want to see? Tell me. We're going to want to see Jesus. Because he's the rock star there. He's going to be the center of attention. He's the one who saved us. Now, of course, we're going to see our loved ones now, the other thing is you're not going to know your loved ones as you know them on earth. They will be your brothers and sisters in heaven. They will not be parents and grandparents. You will remember them as parents and grandparents, but they'll be our brothers and sisters in Christ. Then the other thing that sometimes people say is, you know, I live my life because I know right now that my grandma and my aunt and my uh, cousin Joey, they're looking over me. Not exactly so. You see, when a person goes into heaven, they're in peace with the Lord. And they only know of the Lord in that reality. They don't know what, what's going on here. It's good. Do we really want our loved ones who are at peace to know what's going on on earth? Would that be peaceful for them? Would that be reassuring for them? No. And the other thing is, we don't need to have those people looking over us because who's watching over us? Say it. Jesus and God. That's right. And so... The other confusion is what happens when we die. Well, I've never died. I can't tell you that. And I wasn't a medical student back there and then got flatlined, okay? No offense. But people write books, and I'm not saying those books are right or wrong with the experience of heaven, but Ecclesiastes says this, that when we die, our body returns to the what? The ground from which it came, and our spirit ascends to who? To God in peace. Now, some people say they see an angel come and take them to heaven. I don't know. I haven't died yet. I don't know if that's, that's true or not. I'm not denying that or affirming that. But you see, when we die, our bodies and souls are in, I mean, sorry, souls in heaven, our bodies where? That leads me to the next point. Oh, I know what's going on. They're bowling with Jesus and they're fly fishing because we really liked it. And they're having a big meal for everyone up in heaven. Well, no, that's not quite true because our bodies are where? Here on earth. That might be true after the resurrection of the dead, but it's not true when? Right now. 
So what do we believe? Well, we believe this, that as Jesus died and arose for us, and we believe that, we're called in faith, that when we die, our body returns to the ground and our soul goes to where? In Jesus in peace, we await the resurrection. What happens if Jesus comes while we're still alive? Well, the dead bodies will be raised and united with the souls, and we who are living will meet them all with Jesus to be in heaven. And so what St. Paul does in his theology, he clears up for the Thessalonians and says, listen, don't be down about people who've already died because this is a reality. Can you all read it with me? Here's a reality, and it really answers the question of death and, and if I'm going to heaven and, and the unknown and if my loved one dies. Can you all read it with me? Okay, so let me reiterate that. God didn't appoint us to go to hell, but that we might be saved. And he died for us that whether we're awake, that's living, we'll meet with the Lord, or asleep. Asleep is another way of saying being dead. That's why we say when people die, may they rest in what? A really sleeping with the Lord, then peace with the Lord. We may live together with him. And, and here's the point. How do we know that's true? Well, I want you to trust Jesus and trust his word because Jesus and his word are one and the same. I'm sure we've all had people make promises to us that we don't trust, and their words mean very little. But if a person who we trust and they, what they say to us is true, that trust is all the more. Jesus says what he does, and he does what he says. Uh, he is God's word, and you can't separate God's word and his action from God. It's all the same. So we trust what he says. We trust his person and nature. And by the way, Right now, Jesus is the best person who knows about death because he's been there. He was dead for three days. He came back from the dead and said, you're going to be like me, and that's where we'll put our trust. We'll put our trust in Jesus' word, his nature and his person. And so, can we read this too? This is a reiteration of what I said. The dead... So put that fear, no offense to death, put it to rest. And hopefully nobody here doubts their salvation. For Lutheran theologians, people who doubt their salvation, it's called the monster of uncertainty. How do I know I'm going to heaven? You know it as sure as the sun shining in the day. How? Jesus died and rose for all. He died and rose for me. He sealed that in baptism. And my faith, he gives that to me in his body and blood as a token to say we're saved. That is the last thing to be concerned about. In faith, we are saved, and that's a blessing for us. That's our final life. And this is what Paul says to the church. Our church's mission, faith over what? See, I still fear death, but I'm a person of little faith. And we all have fears because we have little faith. But little faith is always drawn back to the words of Jesus. Have no fear. So we're to what? Encourage one another these words our loved ones with the Lord in peace, and we'll meet them again on the great day of resurrection. And so that's our hope and joy and blessing. Don't be ignorant. Don't need to be confused. Don't need to be fearful. This is our sure and certain hope in Christ. So how about this for a closing thought? Can all read it with me? I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Those have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is the sting? Where grave thy victory, 
I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. And all God's people say, Amen.